podcast is back. This week is UFC Vegas 52, and it's headlined by a five-rounder at women's strawweight. Not just any strawweights, so man, two of the most exciting strawweights on the roster, and I can guarantee you they gave us a better showing than that main event last week. Uh, we got Amanda Limos taking on Jessica Andrade, and I do hate complaining about UFC cards, because obviously I'm going to watch it on Saturday, but this card's just not it, Ty. Um... No service in terms of high-level fights. Not a lot of fights on Saturday that are going to be, you know, have any implications or impact on the rankings. And to be Maybe honest... Maybe on who gets cut, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm not passionate about a whole lot of spots here, honestly, but excited to talk fights worth with you, see where there's opportunities for money to be made. Last week, man, I don't even know if I want to spend 30 seconds talking about that shit. Embarrassment on paper. Um, and the way the fights played out the same way, two inning and technical decision, and then two other fights having point deductions... I was pretty fortunate to make it out unscathed through some of those and make some profit, but dude, it was just an overall weird night. Yeah, man, checking out your night, it looked pretty good. You know, <laughs> you uh, the only fight that you got wrong was the main event, and that was a, a big, you know, close to three, four unit swing mm-hmm. for you. Um, looking down the card, you felt like you were on an island with Hoffa Garcia, and from what I could tell, you were, man, and that ended up being a pretty good bet mm-hmm. right there. Um, two, uh, two parlays. Both of them hit with ease. Sabatini was kind of your anchor for both those parlays. And round one got a little bit sketchy, but he kind of showed that uh, he was the rightful favorite as the fight went on. You ended up the night positive 3.52 units with a 35% return on investment. And I'm assuming that you'd take that any night, any day of the week. Uh, Looking at my card, woo, (laughs) different color. It's a different color. Uh, I also got the Vicente Luque fight wrong. I don't know. As far as main events go, they usually tend to be the uh, most, the, the hardest fight to mm-hmm. cap. Uh, they're usually lying the right way. Um, I got an answer towards the uh, the Brandon Jenkins stab. I get it. Uh, honestly, after that first round, I thought I was looking good, yeah. man. Like, I thought exactly what I was wanting to happen as a plus 520. Take a huge beating and just kind of let your car close, that weight cut, yeah. kind of wear on him. Uh, just didn't happen. <laughs> Live and learn right there. Um, the one fight that I do have to talk about that I got was the Fialho by TKO nice. in round one plus 700 hit, which only lessened the bleeding for me, but yeah. it, it was a solid hit for it was. me. Um, I ended up the night minus 5.66 units, and uh, hopefully I can get back on track and not wear this hat for the third week in a row. In our main event, we have a strawweight bout between two of the hardest-hitting 115ers I could think of. Um, I said this last time about Lemos, and I still think that it's true. The way that she's climbed through the rankings and the hype surrounding mm-hmm. her, very similar to the hype that was surrounding Hamzat before his last fight. Um, you know, up until this last fight against Angela, she was mauling her opponents in her natural weight class, uh, finishing three of her first or three of her first four strawweight opponents in the first round. Um, on the flip side, though, Andrade. Uh, in her UFC career, it's equally as intimidating and mm-hmm. objectively more impressive concerning the, the quality of opponents right. she's been facing. I, I think when I look at this fight, my biggest concern for Andrade is her ability to take punishment. Uh, for the f- majority of her career, she makes for an excellent hammer, but after watching tape, she makes for an awful nail. You know, you look down at her UFC losses, and five of her seven losses have been by finish, and all of them coming in the first or second round. Uh, you have Shevchenko, Zhang, Pennington, Renault, Karmuch, and even in the first Rose fight, she's dropped by that knee in the first round that almost finished the fight. 
I don't care what anybody says, man. You're not going to win a, the first round against Amanda Lemos at 115 pounds. It's not going to happen. And in Lemos's entire UFC career, she's never dropped the first round. Even in her sole loss against Leslie Smith up at 135 pounds, she's fucking her up that first round. I, I don't know. I, I think Andrade coming back down to this weight class, she's finally meeting a girl with who's bigger with the same amount of athleticism and I think that she could run into some problems so while a lot of people are going to be talking about Lemos fading I think it's more about Andrade's ability to take punishment that we should be worried about who are you siding with I think uh I'll side with Lemos but I've kind of learned my uh my the problems with trying to, to get these main events right so I'm just I'm just gonna lean Lemos but but lay off of it completely I got some action on, on Jessica Andrade here, man. I do think she takes this one, um, but I was not joking a single bit when I tell you I think this is 10 times the more exciting fight than last week's main event. These girls come to throw down, and I've mentioned it to you you know, a couple times over the last couple weeks. Both of these girls have that, that style where they're the power punchers of their division, and when you're a tough girl that can use that power in the pocket, it, it really can take you a long way because – this is kind of one of the first time for Limos. You don't usually have that power coming back your way, you mm -hmm. know. Um, Limos, she she's the new blood in the division, I guess you can say. But, man, she's already 34 years old. I feel like if she needs to get something done, it needs to be right now. Um, where Andrade, she's just been doing the damn thing forever, man. When I look at just this, this win streak that, you know, Limos is on, it, Miranda Granger, you know, that's a girl that's going to be by Ashley Oder now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know how you feel about Ashley Oder. Uh, Maziki Inouye, you know, again, not a very high-level fight. And in the last couple minutes of that fight, you know, we did see Limos kind of start to fade. She was getting held up against the cage more than you like to see. Um, not really what I like to see now in a five-round main event. Uh, Lavinia Souza, that's one of our all-time favorite caches, hitting that under two and a half at like plus 200. But again, you know, low-level, she's now cut. Bunny Ruiz, again, I know she took off the, the headlock and went over Cheyenne Dyes, but I think she's low level too, man. So you look at Angela Hill being her best win. Angela Hill's almost a 500 fighter at 37 years old herself. And, and live and rewatch, I think Angela Hill took rounds two and three, man. So it's close. And I just think it's been damn near a decade before Andrade has, has seen competition that low. Um, she's able to mix it up. She's able to work the body, which is going to be huge for Limos, who I, does, I think tends to fade. Um, and Limos has that Muay Thai style where she almost kind of gives one to take one, and I don't really necessarily know if you want to give one to Andrade, man. She's she's the first female with 20 fights in the UFC. She's super, super experienced. I went ahead with the minus 180 price tag on Jessica Andrade, but I'm getting like plus 300 on Amanda Limos TKO, potentially even better in rounds one and two, so... Not much of a hedger when I come to tracking, but I, I think I'm actually going to hedge that a little bit. In our co-main event of the evening, we got Clay Guida taking on Claudio Puelles. Dude, what an awesome main or co-main event, you know. Let's just add it to this list of co-main events we've been given this year. Uh, I just I don't even know what to think about it, honestly. I feel like the UFC needs somebody to resort these cards because this is not the co-main event. Uh, Guida... All-time veteran. That's probably why he's getting this spot, though. You know, he's on a two or he's won two of his last three with the only loss coming to Mark Madsen. And Mark Madsen, you know, that's an undefeated fighter, and he's best in the area where Clay likes to take his game as well. So it's a very tricky fire for Clay Guida. Um, and the fight with Leonardo Santos, I saw this guy still has a ton of heart, a ton of fight left in him. He is never short on cardio. Lives and dies by the wrestling. Claudio Puelles, he's sitting about 15 years younger, man. You know, at 25 years old. 
fraction of the experience, but he does grind in a room full of uh, full of talent at Sanford MMA. Um, he's he's been on the side of some pretty generous matchmaking, if I must say, with Felipe Silva, Marcos Mariano, Jordan Levitt, and even Chris Grusmacher. But Grusmacher fight one I kind of want to draw it to. You know, um, he started losing the wrestling transitions a lot in rounds two and rounds three. And I think Clay Vita has a very similar style of gas tank on him that he's not going to be able to, you know, he can go three rounds without any issues. I think he's going to start to, uh, you know, wear on Claudio Puelles. And pending Guida doesn't just get guillotined right off the bat here, you know, before the fight even gets started, I think he takes the decision win here, man. Yeah, I think that that's, I'm about to mirror the exact breakdown. Uh, personally, this isn't a fight I would have picked out either to highlight, but <laughs> we have to. Yeah. <laughs> A um, little salty at the moment because I'm sitting on the wrong side of Guida's line movement, but ultimately I think we're both leaning the right way. Um, Guida, like you said, been doing the damn thing in the UFC for 16 years, and um, as far as I'm concerned, he's fighting a guy that might be the worst 4 and one UFC fighter that I've seen to date. Uh, simply breaking down how I see this fight goes, I think it stays on the feet 50% of the time. I think it goes to the ground 50% of the fight. Um, and on the feet, I think Guida has the much better movement, uh, enough durability and volume that I expect him to kind of clearly outwork Puelez until um, he forces Puelez to either shoot for that single leg of his or Guida uh, chooses chooses to mm-hmm. shoot. Um, when I think it does go to the mat, I think the odds become significantly closer. Puelez does have those legit submission skills right. we talked about, um, but... Now, I'm going to say this, but I understand Guida's been subbed 10 times yeah. in his career, <laughs> but I do think he'll be able to out-wrestle Puelez and uh, end up on top, whether it's uh, initiating that grappling or winding up on top in the in scrambles. Um, so, like you said, kind of kind of barring that that uh, that submission from Puelez, I think you just you just got to pick a winner, and we both picked one here. With I think Clay you're Guida. right. Um, look at the last three people of those 10 to submit Guida, though. Looking at Brian Ortega, Charles Oliveira, and Jim Miller in round one. So, I mean, it's some pretty very high-level jiu-jitsu that's submitting him. Something I don't know the 25-year-old has. I know you're on the wrong side of the line movement. It was like me with Rafa Garcia last week. But I, I personally think you got the better fighter, and I think you're going to catch a ticket. Mm-hmm. My fight of the night takes place in the flyweight division between Sumu Darji taking on Manuel Kopp. Uh, excellent match matchmaking, uh, mm. two of the more promising prospects of the division. Uh, we've both been high on Mudarji on his three-fight win streak mm. in the UFC, and after dropping that debut to Louis Smolka, um, I-, I think he quickly proved quite a few people wrong on, on his uh, trajectory in right. the UFC. Uh, looking, looking down at both these guys' records, I think it's fair to say that they're both kind of known as finishers. 13 of Sue's 15 wins are by finish, with the majority of those coming by first-round KO. And 16 of Cop's 17 wins are inside the distance, with a solid mixture of both KOs and subs. Uh, the subs are actually what I want to touch on specifically for mm-hmm. this fight. You know, I know we've heard all week from Cop's camp that they brought the wrestling shoes from that yep. for this fight. And that's exactly what you want to hear from some, anyone facing a guy like Mudarji, who's been submitted in all four of his professional losses and has shown some serious deficiencies in that area right. of his game. Um, if we really try to pick through Mudarji's record with a fine-tooth comb, you'll notice that that level of competition is less than impressive, uh, but truthfully on par with the majority of the prospects coming out of the Asian regional right. circuit. Uh, since in- since And then since entering the UFC, you look down at the competition that he's had to face, and it's legitimate meme level of competition, man. You got Luis Smolka, who, and that's Bantamweight Luis mm-hmm. Smolka, uh, Soccer Mom, Bug Eyes Gordon, and, and less than five fights, Saruk Adeshev. 
Um, I mean, Cape was literally fighting tougher competition, climbing through the ranks of Ryzen before right. uh, becoming their champ. Um, I think if Cop sticks to the blueprint that's been laid out on how to beat Sue using that wrestling, uh, we're, we're in for quite a quick night at the office. Um, if it stays at, on the feed, I think the odds uh, become significantly closer because Sue does have, have some of the you know, fastest hands in the division. Um, I don't see this hitting the final bell, man. I think both these guys are, are going to fin- have finishing qualities. And, um, you know, right now you're getting the fight doesn't go to decision at plus money, which is a spot that I love and will probably hit later on in the week when it becomes available on our books. Um, and then one last note, Mudarshi's coming off of a pretty serious knee injury at 26 years old, which is never good for durability right. and usually not good for um, uh, for the remainder of his career. It kind of reminds me of Kevin Lee. <laughs> so um, I- I'm picking I'm picking Cop here. I think he's a great bet, and I also think he's going to get it done inside the distance, although it's a great hedge out by just taking fight doesn't go to decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, man. Flyweights, I know you're not the you know biggest fan of flyweights, but I think it's a, a killer fight to talk about. It's one of the few ranked matchups that we have on this card. Um, we both got some action on Manel Cop, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. Don't make it harder than it needs to be on Saturday, man. Strap to single it on and go to work. You know, he's been in Vegas working with Khabib and stuff in the room with them. I even went as far as posting a picture on you know online saying mm-hmm. that he was going to wrestle on April 23rd. And, I don't know if it's mind games, but, man, it's definitely going to be the easiest path to victory for him, if you want my honest opinion. Um, but on the feet, too, man, I think I think Cop's equally as good of a striker on the feet. You know, Sue's got a little bit of a length, but Cop fought some relatively good names over in Risen and then was, you know, looked at as such a highly touted prospect. He was thrown straight into the division's top five, you know, with, mm-hmm. with uh, Pantoja. And now Nicolau is about to get a top five fight, you know, and I know you're high on Nicolau. Um Soon, meanwhile, like you said, it's Malcolm Gordon, um, you know, which awesome that we cashed on. We got a little overzealous, tried to take him inside the distance against Zaruk Adeshev, and I really thought in that fight you might have actually saw that Sue really does have a ceiling to him and stuff, and, he, and definitely one that I think is a bit shallower than Manel Cops. Um, I think Cop beats him kind of on the feet. I think Cop beats him on the mat. Um, yeah, I, I think we got the right side here in Manel Cop, and I'm glad to hear you agree. Yeah. My fight of the night. Uh, was going to be Romanov versus Tanner Bozer. Tanner Bozer falling out. So, man, uh, up next, I'm going to go with my boy Jordan Wright taking on Marc-Andre Berriot, a fight that I can damn near guarantee you does not hit the scorecards on Saturday. Marc-Andre here, he's stepping in on short notice to take on Jordan Wright. And let me tell you, I bet Dana White's phone was ringing off the hook for people trying to take that fight. You know, uh, Jordan Wright, one of the one of the lesser um, fighters in the UFC, in my opinion. He's very lucky to be a 2-2 two and two fighter in the UFC. Um, and as much as I, I really do love trying to fade this guy, I've told you numerous times I respect him almost like no other. You know, he, he grew up in L.A., rich family. He didn't grow up in the, you know, an ex-freaking drug addict. He didn't grow up in the favelas of Brazil or nothing. But the dude comes out round one like nobody I've ever seen. Um, does He is killed or be, uh, be killed. You've seen two of his 14 fights even hit a second round. Spinning kicks, uh, nasty knees in the clinch. But outside of that, in terms of his overall game, I don't know if there's really some substance there um, for Jordan Wright. We've never seen him pass like six or seven minutes. We've never really seen him hit the ground. And minding Mark Andre Barriott doesn't get you know knocked out before the fight even gets started again. Um, I think we're going to see both of those things tested on Jordan Wright on Saturday. Um, I do hate that you're coming off of a knockout loss two months removed, but again, I think there was a lot of people that would have been eager to take this spot against Jordan Wright here. Um, 
I think he's going to put right on the back foot, use his typical style, man, take those kicks away with the pressure, put him on his cage, grind up against him, wear him down, you know, mix in the takedowns. And I, I, I think he tries to put Jordan right away here late, and I think he's pretty successful at doing so. The under one and a half is super, super tempting because it was plus money, like plus 130, and I don't think Jordan Wright has ever, you know, seen the full minute and a half, or uh, two and a half, or one and a half rounds. But if I see Mark Andre winning this one, I think it could be extended over that one and a half rounds. And so that's why I'm kind of laying off there. I took a shot on Mark Andre money line at minus 150. I think you have some action on him too. And I'm seeing Jordan Wright's TKO in round one as high as plus 1,000 on some of the books out there. That offers an absolute killer of a hedge. That's how 11 of his 12 wins have ended. Um, so, again, I might be hedging a little bit on Saturday, but I'm going to go Mark Andre to take him um, and probably finish him in the second or third round. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree. And to touch on the third round, I want to bring up the Abu Azaitar. That's one that I really like going towards because we do see that Barrio can put on that pressure yep. for an extended amount of time. Um, like you said, Jordan Wright. If he does win a win, it's going to be early. Barry Ute, uh, up until that last fight, <laughs> he had only lost by decision right. in his professional and amateur career. Um, so, so taking that punishment has never really been an issue for him. And I doubt that Jordan Wright's going to be uh, edging out a decision against him. So I, I do like that we're both on the MAB side. Um, but the, the hedge out opportunity and even that fight doesn't go to decision as a parlay piece are, are two excellent opportunities. All right, so for my fighter to watch, if this tells you anything about the, the state of the card, <laughs> I am picking Mike Jackson, um, you know, former boxer, current photographer, and future UFC champ. <laughs> I'm just playing. He's 0-1-1 he's in the UFC, kind of known as CM Punk's kryptonite, and is entering this fight as a plus 700 uh, underdog against a guy with less than five professional wins on his record, man. I think a lot of people, myself included, are scratching their head as to why this fight is being made right. by the UFC. And it's not like, you know, the UFC scrapping this fight together as a filler. This is the third time they've had this fight scheduled. Yeah. Um, my head tells me that this is a setup fight for Dean Barry, but this has got to be one of the more favorable matchups for Mike Jackson yeah. as well, right? Um, he's finally fighting a guy who doesn't like to wrestle, who has never seen a third round in his career, and is willing to exchange on the feet against the 2011 Southeast Texas Golden Gloves winner, Mike Jackson. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's definitely got nothing to lose. Hopefully he's off the weed. And I would absolutely love for this seemingly boring fight to start off the card with an absolute shit show and Mike Jackson to get a win. So for those reasons, I am going to highlight Mike Jackson here and uh, hopefully we can see some history being made. Dude, man, we get 10 units to work with, and I, I won't put a you know even point one of those on Mike Jackson. Um, but, you know, I have all them FanDuel and DraftKings accounts that I, I have some money in, and I'm, you know, Mike Jackson honestly might see some love for me on Saturday because you're right, uh, Dean Barry is, is not very good, and I don't know what he has personally done to deserve this type of price tag. You know, we're looking at Mike Jackson. He was minus 200 favorite to see him punk, man, yeah. you know? So, <laughs> uh, big line switch here. Uh, now, you know, Dean Barry probably wins this one. I would not be shocked if he goes up there and puts him away in round one. Um, it does seem like a setup fight for him. Uh, but again, maybe a step up in competition, considering his last <laughs> opponent was six and thirty, Jesus getting Christ. signed to the UFC. Uh, Dean Barry's had to have done something, you know. He's in tight with somebody to to earn this spot here, and, and he's getting the absolute easiest fight that he could possibly get in the UFC. Uh, yeah, man, good fighter to highlight, but I, and I, such I, a crappy card. Yeah, and I, and I do. I hope you're right. I hope we kick it off with a plus seven hundred, uh, kicking us off with a win. Fighter to watch for me. Uh, 
opposite of the spectrum, Tyson Pedro at minus 500. Uh, a variety of reasons I chose Pedro here. You know, first off, again, I think he is in a phenomenal spot to win. Um, but two years, um, more than two years off, I believe, at this point. And like I said, he's a minus 500, so it makes it kind of interesting on how you want to play him. When he left us, he was a, on a bit of a skid. He lost three of his last four, and it ended up kind of being the grappling later on in the fights, you know, that kind of caused him some trouble. Um, Latifi, good wrestler, in my opinion, you know, has kind of been cheated out of some fights at heavyweight against, um, I think, I don't know if he won the Bowser one or not, but definitely against the um, Derek Lewis. The Derek Lewis and stuff, you're right. Um, so Latifi, damn good wrestler. Um, Shogun and OSP were able to kind of take him down, uh, neutralize him, but man, he was, he literally almost got OSP and Shogun out of there in the first round. Um, I think that <laughs> I think Tyson Pedro is going to get um, old Ike out of there and, and probably one round as well. He's been he's been out for a while, but he's been getting to work in with Tuivasa a whole bunch. You see him down in city kickboxing as well, working with those guys during his layoff. Um, and he doesn't honestly never look like he got like extremely out of shape or anything either. Um, majority of his ten fight career has come at the very highest level. You see wins over Paul Craig and Khalil Roundtree. And the guy's only 30, so I do expect improvements to be made. I think on the feet, he's so much faster. I think he moves better than Ike. His 1-2 down the pipe is so quick and should tear Ike up. Man, Ike's made middleweight before. Tyson Pedro is not making middleweight. I think he rolls here. I'm not happy about the minus 500. I'm not happy about minus 250 inside the distance, so I don't know if I get to playing him. Um, but Ike's been finishing his last four losses, and I expect Tyson Pedro to do the same thing. Yeah, no, I, I think you nailed it. It's like, it sucks seeing Tyson Pedro, who I kind of thought of as like a mid-tier level, mm -hmm. even when he was in the UF, or, you know, in his UFC run up until this point, um, come in as a minus 500 favorite. But there's not a, you know, Ike Villanueva has shown that he's... Uh, he's he can lose to Jordan Wright. Yeah, he's pretty bad, dude. <laughs> he's pretty bad, so... And probably now. I hope that, uh, that uh, Tyson Pedro is kind of like uh, fix those wrestling things. I don't think that we're going to see that get exposed oh, in this fight. Yeah. Um, but hopefully he has kind of made those improvements at 30 years old coming back off that layoff. That's always that, that time period where I'm okay with fighters taking mm -hmm. that layoff off to uh, to kind of work, uh, sharpen sure. up their skills, yeah, yeah. And, and come back and maybe he looks like a completely different fighter. At his stature, his reach, everything else, I think he could, he could be a problem in the future for a lot of guys. All right, for my underdog, I will be picking Montana De La Rosa. Uh, this is another week where I just kind of feel obligated to, to choose a dog here to talk about rather than me actually playing her as a dog. As of now, Barber is getting the love, so depending on how juiced that line gets, um, if, some, if some good plus money comes up and it, Montana gets around that plus 200 range or something, I'd really consider placing a bet on her. Um, I think the biggest advantage that Rosa's going to have in this matchup is her wrestling pressure. Um, and I think you're going to find out rather quickly how this fight goes by that first wrestling exchange. If Rosa does get that initial takedown easy, um, I doubt Macy's going to be able to stop it any time for the rest of the fight, as Macy does tend to slow down in her fights. Um, and as Rosa has shown, she can keep that high pace for three rounds. She's training at Team Elevation, known for their cardio and their wrestling. They've got Torres, Pennington, Miranda Maverick there. And, you know, as far as finishing ability... Uh, I do think that it leans heavy in favor of Macy. She does have that ability to overwhelm her opponents with striking. Uh, but we've never seen uh, Montana De La Rosa finish in her 10 UFC fights. And, you know, concerning, like, the, the, the more, the, the closer fights that Montana De La Rosa has had with, like, Bueno Silva, Vivian Arujao, and Andrea Lee, I think all of those girls have 
equal equal finishing upside as more. Macy. Yeah, more equal finishing upsides mm -hmm. to Macy Barber. So if Rosa can get through that, She's I tough. think she can get through this. Um, in a fight where Barber can't really mix in a wrestling game for her, uh, mix in her wrestling game and her opponent isn't somebody like Hannah Cyphers or J.J. Aldridge that's just going to uh, take a beating, uh, she hasn't shown me a lot in her last three right. fights, man. And, you know, let's put it this way. I like the way that Rosa had made her way through the UFC, only dropping those high-level fights and kind of forcing her to change her style and adapt to the game, where I think Macy kind of climbed through these rankings just being a very aggressive, athletic girl for the division, where she doesn't have, like, a strong grasp on the fundamentals. Um, and, you know, now she's fighting girls that are roughly the same size as her, don't get overwhelmed with yeah. a little aggression, and she's running into some issues. Um, so... I'll be I lean Montana De La Rosa and as that line climbs I'd be I'd really consider placing a bet on her. Love it, man. To be honest with you, um, in a card that I looked through and kind of struggled struggled with some underdogs too. I think there's a ton of value staring me in the face with Montana De La Rosa too. Uh, although not in the UFC anymore, her husband's a fighter, man. You know she lives that lifestyle 24 seven. I'm sure even outside the cage. Mm -hmm. um, Macy has gotten some favorable decisions. You know with Miranda Maverick one particularly on the scorecards. She's out of Team Alpha Male, which has got some generous scorecards in the past. I don't know if I want to go heavy on Montana De La Rosa on a money line perspective. Um, I think I'm looking at her by decision, laying a little bit less there, because that's going to be like plus 275. Mm -hmm. If she were to get up to that plus 200, we'll probably see a plus 300 by decision. I don't think she's ever gotten a finish. I've seen Macy literally tough out a torn ACL and still fight to a decision and stuff, so... Um, and it's with the wrestling, which I like to back to a decision factor and things. So, yeah, ton of value in Montana De La Rosa. I think I might stab on her by decision. Underdog for me, I'm um, going to go Lando Venata. I got him at plus 122. He's now down to plus 114, so a little bit of uh, love coming his way. He wrestled a semester at UTC where you and I went to college, man. So, you know, a little bit of love for Lando. Um, but I also think he's in a pretty good spot to win and another good spot to put on an, an absolute all-time classic fight, you know. The guy starts his UFC career off in that fight with Tony Ferguson, um, just short notice, and honestly was inches away from Tony, you know, finishing Tony Ferguson, had him somersaulting all across the cage, and then follows that up with the wheel kick over McDessie in the following fight. You know, you think the sky's the limit for Lando, but since then, you know, his UFC career has been all over the place. He's had some draws with Frivola and Bobby Green, um, all-out brawls, and it's just been hard to get him a good win streak going, kind of what I'm getting at. Um, but in this spot... Um, against Charles Jourdain. I like him to win, man. You know, cut to 145. I thought it looked good last time against Mike Grundy. Um, his cardio looked good, having to wrestle a bunch, which is usually something you want to pay attention for when someone's dropping um, weight class. He's, his durability is off the charts. And while I think I might favor Jourdain ever so slightly in the striking, you know, um, I think both of them are equally defensively unsound, equally hittable. Um, and I think it's relatively close on the feet, whereas I think Lando, while while Jordan ever has the ever so slight advantage in striking, I think that goes to Lando in the grappling here. I think we've seen Jordan neutralized and taken down in the past, and it would be very smart of Lando to mix in a couple takedowns here. I, I would probably, you know, I hate banking on fights going to a decision, um, but I do think this one goes the full 15 minutes. Both of them are tough as nails. I favor the overall skill set and durability of Lando a little more. Um, so why not take the dog here? Take the, the guy we like. Uh, go with Lando Veneta. Yeah, man. I, I don't mind that at all. I think you you look at uh, Jordan's last few fights, like Julian Arosa, I think Lando's on par with him. Mm -hmm. uh, Josh Kulabau, I really think Lando's <laughs> on par with him. 
Um, and Rojo's then, you know, a bantamweight. Rojo's a bantamweight. And then TJ Laramie had success wrestling wrestling him a few while back, right. but uh, that is another path. Lando showed that in his last fight against Grundy, like he talked about. Yep. I, I think that uh, Lando could come out here and, and uh, should have been the rightful favorite, but shown that he should have been the rightful favorite. My prop of the night is Sumu Darji and Manuel Cape. Fight does not go to decision at plus money. Um, I think the UFC is looking at this, or at least the, the odds makers are looking at this fight. They're seeing it's a flyweight bout. Mm -hmm. um, both these guys have been to decision 50% of the time in their last four fights. But if you look at their entire career, man, both these guys are, are notable finishers. And they're sitting, they're putting this at like a 40, 48% chance of it going to the judges. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's far less. I think that it finishes inside the distance closer to 65, 70% of the time. And just because of the, uh, the recency bias between these two fighters, um, we're, we're getting an awesome price tag on it. So for me, plus money on, on fight doesn't go to decision is, is my prop of the night. I like it, man. Uh, Sue's long, rangy, can catch you coming in. Um, Manel Cop, we've seen him take that step down in competition from, from uh, uh, who was it, Nicolau mm -hmm. and... Uh, Pantoja. Pantoja. He goes up there and finishes him, you know, O'Day and uh, what's his name, Zumagulov in round one, you know, so I think he could come out here and finish Sue. Um, again, I love it, and I think he'll probably end up getting some maybe potentially plus money on mm -hmm. it. Uh, prop for me, I'm going to piggyback off my underdog pick, man. Um, like I said, not a lot of eager spot, not a lot of spots I'm eager to play on Saturday. Um, much like Bilal plus 250 decision last week. I think it is the most likely path for Landover Knight about decision sitting at plus 250 again. You're giving me 28% of the time um, Lando wins this by decision. I think that potentially is closer to the 40, 50, you know, mm -hmm. even 60. If you're good, if you're going to favor Lando, it's 100% um, by decision here. Outside of that spinning wheel kick against McDessie and the submission win over Marcos Mariano, who is probably single-handedly could be the worst UFC fighter that's ever gotten signed. I think he was friends with Anderson Silva, and that's why he got signed. Um, Lando has every other fight's gone the full distance. And then to bring up Jordan's durability, I think even helps this fight go to decision. So while you and I, neither one, have been too high on Jordan in the past, I think he's got a lot of holes defensively in the striking and the takedown defense. And while I think it goes the full 15, I think Lando's a bit more rounded. Plus 250, I think there's a ton of value there. Double dipping on my underdog and hopefully come out with a couple units. My best bet of the night is one that we've both stabbed on already. Uh, it's Manuel Kopp. Taking on Sumu Darji, mm -hmm. I just think that Cops got him covered just about everywhere. And if he does follow that blueprint uh, to beat Mudarji, which is taking to the ground and submitting, right. um, which is what he's been been talking about this whole week, I do think that we're going to see a relatively quick night at the office, and I, I think that he's going to um, finish Sumu Darji. I think he can finish him on the feet. Hopefully, takes that you know path of least resistance, takes him down, submits him like Sue has been submitted four times. Uh, yeah, I think we're both two, three units deep on, on mm -hmm. Cobb here, man. Yeah, I think he's a good spot to win. Um, and it looks like everybody else is thinking the same thing. Uh, best bet for me, I'm going to go Jordan Wright, Mark andre Barrio doesn't go the distance. I'm just sitting out there at minus 195, minus 200 on some of the books. I'm waiting for it to open up on our books. And, dude, if I can get minus 200 or below, I probably will just play that by itself. But I also think, of, like you said earlier, one of the safest parlay pieces on the card. Jordan Wright, never been decision in his entire life. I don't know if he knows how to go to decision. You know, the guy's um, kill or be killed in round one. He's only seen round two twice in his career, never fought longer in like six minutes. 
Um, and if it is any success from Jordan Wright, it's going to be in those first couple minutes, potentially catching Mark Andre with another shot, uh, potentially an unhealed chin coming off a 16-second knockout two months ago. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he might have his opportunity to finish early, man, but he is so hittable himself and down the stretch. I don't trust Jordan Wright one second. Um, but regardless, I think Mark Andre is clearly the better fighter here, and if he can come out and, and take a punch like he's always been able to his whole career, I think his hands are going to land. I think he's going to eventually put Jordan away, and I won't even have to sweat the third round. Yeah, another thing I love for that bet is after Wright, even, if, even in Wright's losses, it's not like he's coming out and saying that he's going to, uh, get better, change his game plan yeah. at all. No, he's in there for entertainment, yep. and he knows it himself. So he's going to give him the best shot to win the fight early in the early. And uh, as it drags on, he'll he'll definitely give up eventually. Now we're going through our quick pick section for the podcast. And first up, we have Dean Barry taking on Mike Jackson at the welterweight division. Um, I'm going to pick Dean Barry, but I would love to see Mike Jackson get a dub here. Same boat as you, man. I'm going to pick Barry, but honestly, I'm hoping for praying for the upset. Next up, 205, Marcin Pratchino taking on Felipe Lenz. Haven't dug too much into it. No Felipe is coming down um, from heavyweight, but Pratchino is a guy that I'm, I'm typically always down to fade, especially damn near even, so give me Felipe. Uh if, if Prachnio actually has finished those chin <laughs> issues, uh, I think that he could be a, a problem for you know, a lot of people in the division, to be honest with you. Uh, I'll, I'll lean uh, Prachnio, but I would never bet it. Uh, third fight of the night, we have Arichi Lang taking on Cameron Else. And uh, Richie's going up in weight, I think. It's at yeah. 135, I so. and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean Arichi. I think I'm going to still take Arichi Lang as well. Uh, Cameron Ellis, I don't think, has a win outside of round one. I don't mm -hmm. think I can trust him outside of round one. Where Arichi Lang was slinging heat with Molina to the last second. you know. So, yeah, I'll take Arichi Lang as well. 205 again, Tyson Pedro coming back, taking on Ike Villanueva. I think Tyson Pedro, first-round knockout. Yeah, I think that that's a pretty safe bet. I'm also leaning Pedro. Um, moving on, we got the Beverly Hills Ninja Jordan Wright taking on Marc-Andre Barriot. Uh, we both have placed a bet on this guy already, and I, I really do like it. Marc-Andre Barriut's the better fighter. Um, doesn't mean he's going to win, though. Yeah, you're right. Doesn't mean he's going to win. Um, but yeah, Marc-Andre Barriut thinks he gets him out of there down the stretch. Charles Jordan, Lando Venata, touched on this fight twice. Lando Venata for me by decision. Yeah, I'm going to go with you. I'll, I'll go Lando Venata as well. Um, Charles Jordan always kind of being a little hype train for mm -hmm. us. So I, I like Lando Venata, especially as a dog. Um, probably the most talked about fight on this card so far, Sumu Darji versus Manuel Kopp. Um, I'm taking Kopp, not a surprise. And yeah, no surprise either, man. I think Kopp's got him pretty much covered everywhere and beat it into his head. Hopefully he wrestles on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Macy Barber, Montana De La Rosa. Uh, a fight that, as much as I, I think there's value on De La Rosa, I think there's value in just staying away from this fight as well, you know. Um, Give me the dog, De La Rosa, by decision. Yeah, I like the dog, too. Uh, I'd feel bad if I didn't pick her and I made her my dog of the week. <laughs> uh, moving on, we have the co-main event already. Clay Guida versus Claudio Puelles. I think Claudio's awful. I'm taking Clay Guida. I think he can get a few more done at age 40. I'm with you, man. You know, Claudio, he is 25. He is at Sanford, so plenty of time to progress. Um, but man, I like the style of Clay Guida versus a lot of these young and up-and-coming fighters. I think he breaks them, and I think he takes a, a decision after maybe even a 30-27, man. I, lives and dies by the wrestling. I like Clay Guida. And then in the main event, Amanda Limos versus Jessica Andrade. 
you're right. Amanda Lemos in round one versus anybody is a um, is a motherfucker, man. But I got to go with my gut. I think Jessica Andrade is um, is just a little bit too much for Amanda Lemos. I'm, I'm gonna lean away from from uh, the rest of the people on MMA Twitter, and I'm gonna go with Lemos here. Uh, I think that Jessica Andrade takes punishment horribly, and I think Lemos delivers it really well. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Lemos first or second round finish. I like it. Appreciate you guys watching, man. If you're still with us, make sure to like the video, sub to the channel. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.